So I have good news and bad news. I'll start with the good news first. You have a successful motor coach business, and you're thriving. You've started the company on a shoestring and a prayer, and now? Now you have multiple vehicles, a list of return clients, and you've consistently turned a profit. During your tenure, you weathered a bevy of issues, and you've come out stronger for it. You've been through all the bad times and good ones, and now you're ready to sell. Your reasons may be private or public, but either way, you're putting the for sale sign out. You've made up your mind. No, not so fast. Now the bad news. Even though your business is on solid ground, you may not be ready from a buyer's viewpoint. Why? Well, it could be a whole host of issues. Poorly filed paperwork, incomplete tax returns, missing licenses and certifications, unupdated employee files, lost receipts, past due inspections. All of your business records should be in order before you even start. Not only that, but you'll need to find the right company to work with you as you go through this process, and that in itself can take a few months. So, this is not a three, six, eight-month effort. This is an ongoing effort that, truth be told, should have been started from the moment you hung out your shingle. With that in mind, join me now as I talk with Gladys Gillis, CEO of the Starline Collection and UMA Chairman, and Charles Tenney, Senior Managing Partner of the Tenney Group, as they outline a plan for what it takes to sell your motor coach business. Welcome to the Motor Coach Minute, a podcast from the folks at UMA and Bus and Motor Coach News. It's designed to make it easier for you, the owner-operator, to get to the meat of the issues affecting the motor coach industry. Hi, everybody. This is Stephen Valley. I'm with UMA and the Motor Coach Bennett, and I have the distinct pleasure of sitting across from Gladys Gillis, and she has uh, a guest that, um, oh, I'll let Gladys introduce. Thanks, Steve. It's, I'm really glad to be here, and I am here with the astonishing Mr. Charles Tenney from the Tenney Group, and we're going to be talking, if you don't know Charles, by the way, Charles is the guy that runs around on the show floor in the cool white cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. He's one of the good guys, obviously. One of the good hat, guys, right? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions today, and there's no better person to have in the room than Charles himself, who's got a lot of experience. And this is something that's really timely. Well, you know, it's one of those evergreen topics. Yes. You know, you may not want to sell your business today, but someday if you do, you want to at least know who to start talking to. And I would say that there's three things, um, kind of phases that people go through when they start getting close to wanting to sell a business. One's emotion, just the emotion of selling the baby. Can they even do it? And then uh, calculation shock. When they finally figure out what their business is worth, it's not always the best day in your life. And um, the and then value improvement activities, which is the third category of things that come along once you've gotten over calculation shock, which usually takes a couple scotches. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so you can tell we're going to be real serious today, Charles. We are serious. <laughs> so Charles, why don't you introduce your, your, yourself? Give us your uh, curriculum vitae. Uh, well, we it's are, a fancy word for resume <coughs> for those of you listening. The resume works like this. We've been doing uh, working in the transportation industry about 47 years. We're second generation. Actually, we're third generation. My dad was in the transportation business for 60 years. Myself, 45, and my son, who's now my partner, uh, 15 years. And we are in the business of selling transportation businesses. So when someone 
uh, is ready to retire, when there's a divorce, when there's a partner breakup, or when people just get burned out. Uh, they come to us, and we help them do those three steps. Gladys, you just got through talking about. Is that right? That's exactly right. Uh, that first step is uh, emotion. very emotional, and uh, about 95% of the people that come to us are going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you buy stock in a scotch company or not? Well, we have a small <laughs> <laughs> Distillery? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're from Texas. We have all those kind of things. Okay. So you come pre-armed. You're ready to go. We, we've got all the medications that are necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess, you know, the whole process then, if you, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about this, so I'm going to leave it up to Gladys. She's going to wind up having to interview. So what would you say is the first step? Somebody's thinking about selling. They haven't even talked to their wife about it yet. I think the first step is to go talk to somebody about value. And because most people are going to be surprised. It's a once in a lifetime event for most people. They know nothing about it. They have no reason to know anything about it. You don't get classes. Uh, the UMA doesn't do a lot of teaching. And most of the stuff that people hear is gossip and hearsay. And it just totally gets them unprepared. And worse than unprepared, they are prepared the wrong way mm-hmm. because most rumors. Uh, and things that you hear about other industries, for example, they don't apply to the motor coach industry at all. So let's dig into value just a little bit. So basically, you've got to have your books pretty much in order so that you know what your top line is, and you know that you're accounting for all of your expenses, and you know whether or not there is a bottom line that is in the black, because you could be wanting to sell, and nothing bigger to motivate selling behavior than having a bottom line that's in the red. But once you know what's the bi- what the business is actually making, then there's the second half of the financial equation that would be what's the factor that you would multiply what the business is making times to create a sale price. Is that about right? Well, that's pretty close. That's one of the most misunderstood, confusing things in the sale process. Uh, people ask us all the time, what's the multiple? In their minds, they may be talking about how many times the total revenue are you going to pay me? Oh, they want to multiply their revenue before the expenses not get unusual, taken away. I like unusual. that idea. Yeah, that I want to talk to you about that. Your seller, that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> uh, unfortunate for the person who's trying to sell their business that they've heard that for the last 10 years, and that's in their mind. It's pretty oh. heartbreaking when you get the real news. That's a big paradigm <laughs> to overcome. It is, and a lot of times it's some astronomical number back in the late 90s when they were doing deals in the motor coach business and had multiples of 7, 8, 9, 10, sometimes 14, 15. Those times are gone forever. Much to my chagrin and everyone out there listening that owns a motor coach company. We all miss that boat. What do you think think the multiples are looking like these days? They've actually come up a little bit in the last 18 months. They've been anywhere from two and a quarter to three and a half for performing businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can talk about that a little bit later. But now, uh, businesses that are profitable, businesses that are going concerns, that have the vision and that look like they're going to be continuing that, the numbers are going over three and a half, sometimes four and a half, maybe a little bit more for larger, highly profitable businesses. What is highly profitable? Is there a percentage at the bottom line that you, you look for? The percentage is of a good business um, is probably 5%. A 
good, a very well run motor coach business can do ten percent. Maybe five or ten percent bottom line. Is that what you're saying? Pre-tax. pre-tax. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Some of the very best, and when I'm talking about the very best, I'm talking about the top four or five percent of all operators in the United States might do more than that. Good. So you've got to have your books in place. You've got to realize that when you um, figure out what your company is going to be worth, there's two pieces to the equation. It's not the top-line revenue. It's really the bottom-line profit times what you call the factor. And that factor is maybe two and a half times all the way up to possibly four or five times. That's right. The, the, the term that we normally use or is used in the industry is called the multiple. Of oh, multiple. Multiple of, and the most common term in terms of cash flow is EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Sometimes people use the term owner's discretionary earnings, but the multiple is usually of one of those terms, one of those definitions of cash flow. Okay. So for those listeners out there that are interested in maybe even exploring the idea of selling their business, you said the first thing they need to do is figure out what the business is worth. Who do they call to go down that road? Could they call someone like you to get an assessment of that? Do they have to hire you? Do they hire someone else? To How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of folks that can do business valuations. To, and what we mean by valuation that means to determine what the market would pay. Not what I would pay, Gladys, not what you would pay, but what the market is bearing. Like it used to be multiple of two and a half. Now the multiple might be three and a half. It's what's happening today, not in 1999, what the market is paying today. And then probably the second most important part of that, it's not a matter of how much they're paying, but how much are the proceeds from the sale. So the proceeds I'm talking about is most of the time deals are formed in terms of what's called an asset transaction, which means in general, not always, but most of the time, the seller has to deliver to the buyer a debt-free company. So you have to pay off all your buses and any other loans you have. Pay off everything, and then what's left is your proceeds. You might be getting me back to the scotch bottle again. Mm. <laughs> well, I might be able to join you. <laughs> So uh, once you figure out what the business is worth, then you also have to decide how much debt the business has, subtract it from what the business is worth, and that's the leftover proceeds, as you call it. That's the proceeds that are left that's, for the that's seller. That's exactly right. And that's a, the number I'm talking about is pre-tax proceeds. Pre-tax. Ah, yes. And then there's tax. Do you see the changes in the tax environment helping sellers in the upcoming years or no? Well, I... We hear good things. I haven't actually witnessed one yet, but what we have heard going to be very enthusiastic information for people who are selling because it could make a world of difference, maybe as much as 10 or 15% of the tax go away. Fantastic. That could be a lot of money in a transaction It could be a lot of money, and I hope it it happens. That's with the new tax bill. New tax bill we're talking about. Wow. Now, keep in mind, I'm not a tax expert. Right. I don't want anybody calling me up and asking <laughs> me about that. We have experts, transaction experts in taxes and so forth. I'm just not one of them. And so somebody who wants to get started and looking into their value of the business, and you said do a market valuation, what kind of money is involved there? Is that an expensive endeavor? Should we put that off for a long time because it costs so much? Or you imagine it costs so much? Uh, ours and most folks are about the same. We're pretty competitive. 
and there are lots of folks besides us. The thing that we have going for us that most people don't is we have the industry experience and the industry of transactions that most people don't. But uh, valuations can usually cost, the, the minimum is usually $5,000. If you've got a company that's doing $40, $50 million a year, it can be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. Depends on the size of the, the extent of the, of the valuation that you so actually a 10 or $15 million top line or below, which are, represents a lot of our operators in the United Motor Coach mm -hmm. Association, probably about $5,000 to get through a valuation to determine what the business is worth. Yes, I would say that number for $15 million, probably a range of five dollars to $10,000. Okay. Out of I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, how long does it take to get to that point where you know, you've, you've decided you want to sell, but then the valuation, how long does it normally take? Well, it usually takes about... Uh, 15 working days after someone gives us all the information we ask for. That's usually the much longer piece of getting the process done. It only takes about two weeks, two, you know, 14 business days to deliver a, about a 50-something page report, uh, accredited, certified You create the 50-page report. Yes. But the owner has to deliver the... Um all the backup material. The financials right. being in order, yeah. which was what, one of my first comments in that financials. If you're in a spader group, you've got your financials They've in order. They've got them. But yeah. um, Unfortunately. many, many business owners, not just in the motor coach industry, but just on the whole, have yet to have a completed P&L, completed balance sheet, maybe tax records, things yeah. like that. From the Showing up years. in worst case with the shoebox and the Yeah, and the receipts. garbage bag and shoebox. <laughs> and Steve, you're laughing, but that's... That's You've seen not it? unheard of. Oh, really? No, absolutely not. Phyllis is absolutely right. If you want to have someone consider paying you the most possible money, the number one thing is you spend the next two or three years, if you haven't already, getting your financials in order. So some buyer can actually look at this stuff, know that you know what you're doing, know that you got an account that knows what they're doing, and they're credible and believable, then they're willing to talk to you. So right. along those lines, what you just said is really important then, Gladys, which is that if you're in the Spader group, you're going to wind up having that stuff being done. So you might want to consider you know, that that would be one of the first steps. Right, at the same time. So if you aren't in the Spader group, you should really definitely consider it because it's going to help you get your ducks in a row. I think the um, Spader group, and I, I don't owe them anything. They don't owe me anything. But I used to facilitate 20 groups myself. Did you? And that's probably one of the most valuable services that anybody does for the motor coach industry. Mm -hmm. uh, not only to prepare those, but to, to allow those people to look at real numbers and be able to make changes. Uh, the Spader group is something special. Yes, I agree. I'm in, I'm in a spade group and have been for quite a long time, and there's nothing like having a group of operators that do just what you do, looking that deep in your numbers. Mm -hmm. So then the next step after that is what? So you've gotten yourself all organized, and you bring all the paperwork in, and you've got your certification now from you. What's, what goes on after that? Well, here's what's going to happen. Most of those people are not going to, you know, for whatever reason they came to us to get the valuation, uh, if it were anything having to do with selling, about 95% of them are not going to go forward because 95% of them are going to be disappointed what the value of their business oh, is. Oh, really? Yes. So the, what's the drop-off? I mean, like, in terms of, like, you know, like a, of the 10 companies that do it is, it, is there a lot of companies that wind up? And do they then wind up coming back afterwards? Like, they fix whatever is wrong, or is it... They can. Uh, the problem is the misinformation that people have collected. 
for the last 5, 10, 15 years from whatever source it is against reality. And uh, what they've done in the last 30 years, how many divorces they've had, how many times that they've crashed their equipment, how many ball games they've missed and everything else, that's value. Mentally, emotionally, that's value. 30 years is worth something. doesn't matter if the business is making any money or not. That's the problem. So if someone gets the valuation, a few are very pleasantly surprised. Most are disappointed. They have to have some time to get their mental, um, emotional place equal to the, where the market is. Now, some people go away. We've had a, we had a, some people in California, uh, smart people, college graduates, business consultants who bought transportation business. They came in, we did evaluation for it. They were super disappointed. They said, well, we'll go change that. They went away and worked on the business for a year, came back as worse than it was oh my before they oh, left. No. And, and it's, it's hard to make changes in one year that really affect the value of your business. Right. Yeah. So people will go away two or three years. It usually takes two or three years to make a significant change in the value of your business. So do you find yourself being a counselor at the same time, sort of? Yeah. Um, Here's the bad news. You know, sometimes that uh, delivering that message, you know what they say about killing the messenger? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not a very pleasant situation. Uh, All kinds of emotions come out. Emotions come out of that situation. So it's the good news, and and you move on. It's whatever it is, whatever it is, it's good news because now they know. Right. They know what they have now. Most people, if they know where they are, they can get somewhere else. If you know where a bus is, your dispatcher can get it to the next city if they know it's in Dallas. Uh, Once these people know what the value of their business is and they're willing to do something, they can change it. That's the good news. Yeah, once you understand the equation, then you understand how your day-to-day decision-making impacts the equation, and you can begin making different decisions. But to your point, not a lot changes in one 12-month period. It sometimes can take two, three years to make a meaningful difference. To make it so that it actually starts, you see the needle move. Establish a trend that a buyer can appreciate. Oh, okay. Yeah, imagine you're the buyer and someone brings you a P&L that if you look at it, you see $300,000 of new money in the last three or four months. Well, is is that a blip on the radar screen, or right. is that an established change in performance? And are we and are you going to pay swinging? a factor yeah. of let's say four against that three hundred thousand dollars, which is a spare one point two million dollars? Are you going to pay that one point two million on the come that it's it's an established trend change in the performance of the business, or is it just a blip on the radar screen because the Pope came to town? Yeah, I see your point. I see I, I see what you're saying. Gladys is right on on that. That's exactly, and it's. Uh, it's unfortunate. Now, the good news is someone who, who does know, finds out what that valuation is and is not happy with it and has another three to five years, they can make more impact on the value of their business in three years, four years than they have in the last 25 years if they'll focus on value creation. That's an interesting point that you're putting out, and I love the fact that we're doing a podcast on this because if you don't want to sell your business... I'll bet it's because you don't want to sell your business right now. Right. And so to the point you've just made, even though you don't want to sell your business, it may be a very meaningful exercise to go through creating a valuation, understanding the equation, as if you were going to sell your business. Yeah, you're planning for it. So you can begin trying to behave in a way that adds value. Even if you're transitioning your business like so many do to another generation, 
there's tax ramifications, and there's a calculation. Something's actually going on. You don't just simply hand it like a set of keys over to the kid. Um, and, and for the sake of your trust and financial planning, you have to understand what's that business worth and, and how to mitigate the tax issues. So probably starting early when you're not even interested is um, not a bad idea. It, that is the perfect time. I'll give an example. Uh, I ask this question. I don't mean to be a smart aleck about it, but I would ask Steve. Steve, do you have a portfolio? You have some stocks, uh, yes. fund, bonds or something? Sure do. You probably get at least monthly, maybe quarterly statements. I do. I bet you know how much that portfolio is worth today. Uh, yep. If, if you owned a motor coach company, the value of those stocks most of the time would be minimal compared to the value of your motor coach company, but you don't even know what your motor coach company's worth. But you know what those stocks are. Yeah, it's interesting that when when you think about it, you you it's the same. Ex- yeah, you expect that sort of information to be coming in almost you know like you'd it, fire your right you you'd fire anybody that didn't give you that report. So uh, on the range of like uh, sizes, I mean, we're talking small group. I mean, a small company, and and those guys do they tend to be really organized, or do they tend to be like what 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 do you find with that kind of you know, uh, group, I mean, company, because then you can also go to the medium sized ones. Like, what's your experience as to how prepared these people are, either because they're thinking that way or all of a sudden they wind up having to like something happens and they have to sell. So do you find like 90 percent of the time they're prepared and only 10 percent, you know, it's a, it's a train wreck or is it more more often than not everybody's prepared? Well, uh, the, the bad news is it's just the opposite maybe 5% are are prepared prepared and 95%. It's a total shock, total surprise. Oh my gosh. Type. Wow. Event. And, uh, that's interesting. So what Gladys, it's, it's the best, most healthy thing that anybody could do is go get a checkup for your business. Just like you do an annual checkup for your body. And if it's not right there, the temperature's not 98.6, you're going to do something about it. Right. But if you don't know where you are, there's no reason. There's no motivation to do anything. If and that, again, I that it, top line makes you yeah. feel good. You got right. all that money. You're making right. $5 million. But Seems like you're rolling in it, right? Exactly. And then all uh, of a sudden... The, but at the end of the day, you owe $4.7 million on your equipment. <laughs> well, Jim and the Spader Group was talking about that yesterday. You know, we it? had a 20% increase in sales. What was the bottom line? It was a minus 1.2%. Oh, yes. Uh, sales is not the magic sauce. That's right. It's the bottom line. All the time. Yep. So when it, when it comes to you've, you've gotten to this point, and then you go, what's the sales process like? Like, now all of a sudden, I'm ready. I'm, I'm organized. I'm ready to go. Oh, okay. And now I want to know what goes on. What, you know, I, I come to you and I, I, I say, okay. Here are the keys. <laughs> Gladys's analogy. I just want to hand them over to you. I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, there's actually people that might want to think that's the way it is. But selling a business is not easy. Not easy for us. It's not easy for sellers. It's not easy for buyers. Uh, and to, you're probably not even going to get out on the on the day of the sale. Most of the time, you won't. In a bus company, it's very likely the buyer's going to ask you to stay and help for three years. Yeah, or sometime. Mm-hmm. Do they split the sales? Like, so I, one of the sales that I went through in my career a while ago was the sale of a trade show, and they went, it was really interesting because they paid. It was broken down into thirds, where they got the first third up front, 
right? So let's say it was nine million. So they got three million up front, and then they got three million over the course of like six years, and then they got the last million when he, or the last three million when they left. Some kind of combination of that third, 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 quarter, quarter, quarter. But buyers are not going to most of the time fork down whatever it was, $9 million up front on the faith that everything is going to work perfect. Right, right. Uh, I suppose they might if you had completely fully audited books for the last three years, which no one does. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of risk in what you're seeing in the numbers and what you're hearing. Yeah, I mean, to me, what's interesting is is that, you know, I think a lot of people would go into this and they would think it would just be a transaction. You know, like, okay, I, I give you this, you give me that. But in reality, there's more planning involved with it that they then need to take into consideration. Yeah. To get back to your question, um, I didn't mean to get off track there, but what's the next step? What happens is when someone decides to sell their business, whether it's after evaluation, before evaluation, or whatever, uh, how it works with us and most people that are in the business of what we do is we would look at the business and determine if it was sellable. Uh, if it's if we thought it was sellable, and frankly, part of that sellable part is looking at the owners of the business, owner or owners. And part of our um, uh, approval for moving a for, ahead on a deal is does the seller have the fortitude to go the distance? Selling businesses is very tough. It's emotional. Uh, buyers are not emotional most of the time. They're just black and white, looking at the numbers type deal. So if we decide to engage, they agree to do business with us, we'll sign an engagement. Then we start collecting information. In addition to financials, there's a lot of other information that you need. You need information about the fleet. You need information about customers. You need information about employees. You need look at contracts, all these kind of things. So information collection is a really serious deal. Once we get the information collected, we can start putting together a package. We have a strategy meeting, determine who we think might buy this business, how do we approach those people, how do we present the package, and those kind of things. We start making inquiries. We start contacting folks. We finally get someone who's interested. Our goal is to try to get them an offer, uh, some kind of an offer. That's another just getting started. So if we get an offer, uh, we take it back to our client, the seller, no, yes, good, bad, negotiate, back and forth type stuff. We finally get past that, give agree to that. Then what happens is, and this is people not, not prepared for this, it, we move into what's called due diligence. Which feels which, like the beginning. <laughs> and it, Phyllis is right. You, fe you feel like you're at the end, and then you feel like you're, what? We're, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? Uh, now we're making sure that everything you're saying is uh, true. <laughs> now, one thing we try to do in our business is, well, we, my son is a uh, high school coach. He's always using the word, we coach him up. Um, we try to coach up the clients on what's going to happen next. Just like you, Steve, you ask me what the deal is. We will tell these people these things up front in the orientation session. They won't remember half this stuff, and, uh, and we repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. When you get to this uh, due diligence part, they've already forgotten all this, and they'll ask the buyers, and that's what they do. They've asked the same question 15 times. Uh, 15 ways. <laughs> uh, different ways, hoping to get the – and they want the answers to be right. They want, they want it to be what they want it to be. Uh, they're just uh, hoping that it's not what they want it to be so they can go ahead and close the deal. They're not in the business to play around. Right. So we finally get the due diligence done. We get to an LOI, a letter of intent, letter of uh, commitment of some sort. 
we move to a asset purchase agreement or stock purchase agreement. We schedule a closing. We get to the closing uh, and funding, which is the, the good part of the deal, and uh, the uh, escrow people distribute the funds. We pay off all the equipment uh, that the, the seller is in debt to. Uh, the attorneys get their portion, we get paid, and the seller gets the proceeds that are left over. And then we send it over to S Uncle Sam. And then we send Uncle Sam, our partner, uh, <laughs> our partner's portion. Uh, Pretty much whatever you got uh, times two, send it to the government. <laughs> and then, is it over? No. Uh, we, have Wait, when do we, we have transition. Pop the champagne corks. When, when we get the check in hand, there not until go. then. It's okay. a long long ride to the closing table sometimes. Uh, we get into that transition, post-closing type things. Transition is, is the steps that a buyer and seller agree together to make sure that everything is handed over successfully. Post-closing for us has to do with press releases, uh, helping people with contracts and uh, employment agreements and things of that nature. But now we celebrate. Now you celebrate, now mm -hmm. it gets to that point. So, I mean, I know it's different for everybody, but we're looking, it seems like if you counted Spader Group, you know, the two years doing that, making sure that you had everything together, and then the two weeks that it takes to do the, whatever it takes to pull together all of your paperwork, and the two weeks could be a couple of months there, then you wind up going into the, you know, like the analysis and everything, there could be a couple of years involved there, and then if there's like a couple of years after the agreement, you know, you're, you're looking at, what is that? That's like... It's like six years worth of time to sell a business. Well, we haven't reached that point yet. Uh, the The quickest deal that we've done over the years is a couple of weeks. People think, oh, Lord, how can you do that? It's impossible. The attorneys will tell you it's impossible because they want to get those billable hours. Uh, and that's their job. That's what they do. I don't want to begrudge them one bit. But uh, we've had four years of getting the business to change enough to where the market's uh, willingness to pay meets the expectations of the seller's willingness to sell. and uh, But on average, deals take six to nine months, Steve. Oh, six to nine months? From from the start, uh, once we get the agreement. Now, we may have talked to these people two or three years. Right, okay. Uh, coaching them up on what to do, uh, value, mental understanding and agreeing and so forth. But once we get what we call an engagement agreement signed, our average is, is three to nine months. Wow. That's it's, it's too fast to make any changes at that point. Right. Uh, but, I mean, when you're talking about that three to nine months, you know, I mean, what you're, what you're talking about is, is actual hard work of doing the, the, the getting the, the sellers ready and keep finding the buyers and that right. kind of thing. Exactly. But then there, there's a huge lead up, and then there could be some time afterwards before the whole thing is actually completed. Oh, yeah. Right. The, it's not uncommon. depends on how good – the better your business is – the better the transaction in every way will be. The shorter it will be, the shorter the due diligence will be, uh, the more cash there will be as a percentage of the deal. The, the businesses that are not A businesses, there's going to be people uh, that ask the seller to put quite a bit of seller financing into that deal. And as a matter of fact, it really usually works like this. The more cash you have in the deal, the lower the price usually is. Gotcha. Now, this is not every deal. It's relative. Right. Uh, and really good businesses may not apply at all. But marginal businesses, uh, uh, medium, medium businesses, uh, to get the maximum price, it's usually a balance 
the more cash you get, the lower the price is. The more terms and financing you're willing to do for the buyer, usually you get a better price, more of a price, a higher price. Well, I, yeah. Something. There it is. There it is, yeah. If you want to sell your business in the next five to ten years, you could probably get started today. I think that, that's, that's the really message. good advice, yeah. I think that, that Phyllis is absolutely right. Well, I think, you know, you're right. I'm glad that we did this podcast because I'm I glad. Think that, <laughs> Sorry. I hit it right here in a minute. Is this one of the, yeah, this is the one fun of the mistakes. stuff you were yeah, talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about when we started? Um, <laughs> I think glad. that I think that uh, you're right. This is a really good podcast that I think because I, you know, I, there's a lot of people out there who are talking about buying and selling, and this is a pretty sort of it's a hot topic. You know, like I think as you you said in the beginning, sitting down. I mean the 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 industry is aging. I mean there are people that are in it that are looking to get out, and you know they'd like to get their investment back. So I mean. This is this is good timing. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't want to leave on just this without just taking a minute to talk about the other side of the business, and that's the buyer's side of the business. You know, part of the value that we bring to the table at the tenant group is that we know a lot of buyers, and knowing buyers and understanding how to talk to buyers about your business, how to get your business ready to buy is an important thing. In this industry today, you're talking about, is it a good time to sell? It's a good time to buy, too. Right. And a lot of businesses um, put together external growth as, a pro, as opposed to organic growth. It's a good plan. And lots and lots of operators in this country have that opportunity uh, to acquire businesses, to do things that they might take years and years and years to do organically. So you're, like, in the, in the perfect spot. You get the buyers coming to you and the sellers. I'm a pretty blessed guy. <laughs> I would agree. That sounds like a good a good place to be. So, um, well, this is has been great, and uh, I, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say, Gladys. Or no, thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I look forward to putting it out there, and I will talk with you all again soon. Thanks for the invitation, and thank Gladys for certainly. All right. If you'd like to advertise on the Motor Coach Minute, or if you'd like to sponsor it please drop us a line at info at busandmotorcoachnews.com or you can give us a call at area code 703-838-2955. Look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next month.